It's great to be here with you this morning as we continue in our series, Abraham, A Faith Journey. And uh, we started a couple weeks ago. We're going to be in this uh, journey together, looking at Abraham's life through the end of uh, June. And, and we talked about the fact that it's not a biography. So we're, not, we're doing it not by looking at his life and sequence, but looking at principles that we can draw from his life, his walk with God, that we can apply to our own. And I have to be very honest this morning, not that I don't try to be every week, but, but very honest this morning to say that this is probably my favorite principle um, from Abraham's faith journey for me. Um, it, it, as we go into it, you'll, you'll see why. But it was just a, an amazing light bulb moment when I began to see this in Scripture and how it came about. But we're going to look at the fact that, that the blessing that Abraham has given it is very clear within, within Scripture to be a blessing that was to be passed on to others. That Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. And that God really calls us as followers of Christ to use the blessings that he pours into our lives to be a blessing to others. And so there's the overarching principle. But I want to go all the way back actually to the very first passage that we looked at two weeks ago that introduces us to Abraham. You may remember if you were here that I said that in Scripture at this point, he's called Abram. His name's changed to Abraham. And we see that sometimes in Scripture. Individuals may have a couple of names or a name has changed. And so when I read the passage, I'll, I'll use Abram. But the rest of the time, we'll just call him Abraham. And if that's confusing, I'll just pray that the Spirit helps interpret that for you as we, as we move along here. But Genesis 12, verses 1 and 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Pay special attention to verse two. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Catch that, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. Notice the, the further explanation of what God's gonna do in Abraham's life. The Lord's blessing of Abraham is just the first step in God's divine plan to extend blessing through Abraham to all the peoples of the earth. I'll bless you and the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. I mean, no doubt God intended to bless Abraham. In fact, God intended to bless Abraham's descendants, but he never meant for that blessing to be exclusive. It was to be passed on. It was a tactical move in God's divine plan. It wasn't an end in itself. It was a means to an end. Israel, the Jews, would receive a special place in redemptive history. We understand that. They would be the first to receive the word of God. It would be through the, the Jewish nation that the Messiah would come. In fact, Paul writes in Romans 1.16, he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew also to the Greek. And when we see Greek many times in the New Testament, it's, a, it's meant to be a generic term for Gentile, which is most of us here in this room. So the gospel came first to the Jew, then to the rest of us, is what Paul is writing. And so the Jews had a special place in redemptive history to receive the, the word of God first. And certainly the Messiah came through them. But this blessing that came through Abraham, through his descendants was meant to be a blessing to the peoples of the world. In other words, God didn't simply bless Abraham to bless Abraham. And he didn't simply bless the nation of Israel to bless the nation of Israel. In fact, he doesn't simply bless us 
for us to be blessed. He blesses us to be a blessing. Blessings flow from God to us, but are never meant to stay there. They, they come to us and they're to, they're to flow through us to those around us. Interestingly, even in the choosing, if you will, of Abraham and Israel, he makes that quite clear. I mean, Abraham was a man of faith, but he was just a man. He, he could have picked anybody on planet Earth. In fact, he's very clear about that. What made Abraham very special was that God chose him. Israel, the same way, a nation that wasn't a nation, that God called out to be a nation. He says it wasn't that, that Israel had all these great qualifications of being a great nation, a chosen nation. It's just simply that God chose them. They were special because God chose them. I mean, there's some people who walk around, maybe even here this morning, I don't know, who think that they're just special because they're special. And trust me, you're special. But what makes us unique, what makes us really special is God's calling. It's our relationship with him. Abraham's special, why? Because he's a man of God. The nation of Israel is special, why? Because they're the nation of God. We're special, why, as a church? Because we're God's people. It's because of him. The one thing oh, Abraham had to offer is the one thing he requires of any of us, and that's faith. And so wait a minute, God calls us to love people. He calls us to, yes, all those things, but it's all based on faith in God. We're able to love others because we believe by faith that God so loves us. Amen, church? So Abraham's a man of faith. We're called to faith. But we discover something interesting when we talk about this faith journey and this idea of being blessed to be a blessing. This is where the light bulb came in for me. I was in graduate school and a man by the name of Don Richardson came to do a special lecture in our class. He was a noted missionary and missiologist and he brought us to Genesis 12 2, and he said this. He said, there's a top line promise and then a bottom line promise within Genesis 12 2. He said, the top line promise is that you'll be blessed. The bottom line promise is that you'll be a blessing. And as I... As he said that, I'd read that passage many times, maybe like yourself. I, I, I'd always heard the story of Abraham. I mean, it's one of the stories we talk about in church quite a bit. And a light bulb just went on. Ever had one of those moments where you think, why didn't I see that up until now? Now you say, well, maybe you hadn't heard it up until now. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. I was just too dense to realize it. But at this moment, the light came on. And, and I remember leaving that class just with this feeling of excitement that God blesses us to bless others. In other words, he doesn't just graft us into his divine plan through salvation in Christ, but because of our relationship in Christ, he also grafts us into this plan that he starts with Abraham, that you'll be blessed to be a blessing. If you know the story of Abraham, God later will say to him, your descendants will be like the stars of the sky that stands on the shore. And I always thought, well, that's sort of neat. And of course, he's talking about us too. We're, we're children of Abraham, Paul writes in Romans. He says, we're not biological children, but we're spiritual children of Abraham. Do you know what that means? We're children of promise. That, that, that this blessing principle that God gave to Abraham, the reason we see it throughout Scripture, and we do all the way through Scripture, we're going to look at it in just a minute. As you see it throughout Scripture, it's because as his children, we get to be not just blessed by God, but a blessing to those around us. And so I wanted to pick some maybe blessings that we don't always focus on as blessings, but they certainly are. So many times in church, when we talk about blessings, we talk about material things. And they are blessings. Like I, I like being able to have a vehicle to drive the church in. 
I, I like being able to put gas in that. That's becoming a greater blessing every day I do that, but, uh, but I, I like being able to do that. But there are other blessings in scripture that maybe we would overlook as a blessing. We appreciate them, but maybe we wouldn't see them as a blessing. For instance, comfort. How many of you have ever gone through a situation in life that your greatest desire was, I just need some comfort? Listen to 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's a lot of comfort words in there. But the gist is what? We need comfort. We come to God. He blesses us with comfort, but it doesn't stay there. The comfort we receive from God allows us to go to somebody else and bless them with comfort. Do you see the principle? He blesses us with comfort to be a blessing with comfort. That's amazing to me. We get to be a part of that. How about forgiveness? Colossians 3.13. Paul writes, bear with one another. I want to stop there for a minute. What's it mean to bear with one another? I heard one commentator write it this way. He says, we bear with one another because to be very honest, every one of us sometimes acts like a bear. (laughs) Hard to get along with, hard to deal with. And if you're not thinking you're that person, you're probably really that person. (laughs) Uh, If not, then maybe the person next to you is. I don't know. But we bear with one another. So think about Colossians 3, 13, bear with one another, difficult people, bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So forgiveness. We receive forgiveness from God and the reality of it is not because of anything we've done, it's because of what Jesus has done, but he loves us and because of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, he forgives us. Come on, church, I know, I know you're getting hungry, but my goodness, that's good stuff. We're forgiven by God. That's why there's no reason for a believer to have shame in their life because it's already been dealt with. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does as a follower of Christ. So we're forgiven. And he says, I've forgiven you, then you need to forgive others. It's a blessing. And I say this one has a double blessing because it doesn't just bless the person who's forgiven. Have you ever done something to somebody and they had to ask for forgiveness and they forgave you and it's like, ah, thank you. But it's also a blessing to the person who's forgiving a person. Have you ever held on to unforgiveness? And you thought like, I'm gonna show this person, I'm not gonna forgive them and they don't even know you're upset with them. But it's hurting you. So there's this double blessing. Like we're forgiven by God and we forgive others. We find this release and, and they find peace. And there's this, this, this beauty in forgiveness. But there's the principle again. God forgives us, we're blessed. And then we get to bless others by forgiving them. And, and Jesus modeled it. When he's hanging on the cross, he says, God, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He said, well, that's God. But the first martyr, Stephen, did the same thing, didn't he? He's being put to death simply by being a follower of Christ. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Many times when I've sort of felt like my pride was bruised or or someone's hurt me emotionally or whatever, I thought, man, I just don't know if I can forgive them. And I picture Stephen. And I go, if he can forgive them, I can. I can. Because Stephen did it because of the power of God within him, and I have that same power in me. And if you're a follower of Christ, you have that same power in you. So it's this blessing of forgiveness, and we get to bless others by forgiving them. Love. 1 John 4, 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
Did you guys say that again? For God so loved the world. Put your name in there. God so loved you. And if God loves us, and by the way, sometimes we're not all that lovable. In fact, the scripture says he, he demonstrated his love for us when we didn't even give a rip about him. It wasn't even on our radar. If God can love us, we can learn to love others through his power. So the blessing again, see that? We're blessed to be a blessing. His love is a blessing. And we get to spread that blessing to others by loving them. And if there's any message the world needs to hear today, it's that we need to love one another. We need to get past our differences. And in fact, I love the fact in scripture, Paul again writing, he says there's really no difference. He says, he goes, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, he gives this whole list, male, female, we're all one in Christ. Man, I pray that that unity in Christ will, will permeate our culture. That, that ha- hatred and prejudice and all the things that we can list that would divide us, that don't matter one bit, that we would know we're one in Christ because we're brothers and sisters, children of God. So we're, we're loved by him, no matter what we've done, no matter what. And, and he says, that's the blessing, but, but, but bless others by loving them too. And then I'll just throw this one at you. Goodness, justice, charity, social righteousness, Proverbs 3, 27 and 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. In, in context, it's talking about really social righteousness. If you have the power to do good, do good. Don't hold it back. And, and the great example of this again is Jesus Christ. He had the power to do good, the ultimate good, right? To bring us into a relationship with God through his sacrifice on the cross. And he didn't go, well, not today, maybe tomorrow. You know, or I'm not going to do it because it just, I have, I'm just too busy. He, he knew the influence he had as the son of God and used it for our benefit to bless us in relationship with him. How can we not then do that to those around us with the influence we have? with the position we may have, with the voice we may have, with the vote we may have. To be able to see real change, to do good, to see society become more and more in alignment with what God would intend it to be. We're to do good by by using all that God's given us in his power, those blessings again, to bless others. So God's blessings aren't meant for us to, to totally consume. They're meant to flow through us. To, we're blessed to be a blessing. And so I know we're in a, in a big group in here, and, and I'm not going to ask you to do anything publicly, but just in your own heart, just take a minute and take stock of your life. Take stock of your life. Think about everything that God has given you beyond your material things. I mean, his forgiveness, his love, his comfort, all these things. Think about everything that God has given you, all the blessing he's poured over you materially, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And we not, ought not imagine, we ought not imagine that he's given us these things just for our own good. Yes, he's given them to us to bless us, but he's given it to us so we can be a blessing to those around us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, 11, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. This idea of generosity, blessed to be a blessing, a simple definition for me of generosity is simply taking the blessings that God has given me and bless others with them. Simple definition of generosity is blessing others with the blessings we have received from God. Understanding that definition and, and looking at blessings in, a, in this broader perspective. I, I wonder, I wonder using Don Richardson's language, 
If we're in danger sometimes of being so focused on the top line, being blessed, that we forget about the bottom line, blessing others. I mean, that's part of the problem with the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, isn't it? It's really all about you. I've never heard anyone say, I'm going to name and claim a, a yacht so that I can use it to do good in the world. You know, if, if, I, if, I, if I got a million dollars out of nowhere, I'd use it to do good in the world. You know, I, I never hear that. It's always about the person, isn't it? I mean, if I had that, you know what I would do? Yeah, you'd spend it on yourself because you only want it for yourself. That's not what the gospel's about. Top line, yeah, God wants to bless us, and he does bless us. We should, we should never be embarrassed by the blessings that God has given us. In fact, there's a portion of scripture that says, if you can make money, make money. Do it for God's glory. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But do it for God's glory. And what brings God glory? Blessing others with what God has blessed you with. And always, with your knowledge, with your love, with your comfort, with your things. Be blessed to be a blessing. Jesus, talking about this continued ministry, really, that he speaks into Abraham's life, it comes all the way through to his disciples and then unto us in Matthew 28, 19. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing him in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Dare I say, there is no blessing greater than salvation in Christ. Like, that's the game changer. I was talking the other day because I saw one of our students who came back, just graduated, and, and, and all these students who are, who are going away and they're graduating, going on with life, it reminds me of one very important thing for me personally, and that is I'm getting older. Like, there's no way possible for that to happen without me getting older. And so I was talking to a friend out in the hallway in between services, and I, I said, man, that just makes me feel old. I can't believe that they're, they already graduated. It seems like this the other day. I was praying when they, when they were heading out for him. And, and, uh, and then he, he said, well, you're only as old as you feel. And I said, well, here's what I want. I want to live until I can really live. Do you know what I mean by that? I can live until I can really live. I mean, we really won't live to the fullest until we actually are with Christ in paradise. And as long as God gives me breath, I want to live until I can really live. And that means I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of not just receiving God's blessings, but, but blessing others. And, and the salvation I have in Jesus Christ is the ultimate blessing. How can I not share it with those around me? In fact, the central task of the church, the central task of the church, so let me camp there for a minute because we sometimes misunderstand church. Or at least we, we make it a very small definition. In our culture, a lot of times when people hear the word church, they think of a building. Now, I've heard people say, well, you shouldn't use the word church for a building because that's not what it means. But the problem is it does mean that. Like in scripture, sometimes, not often, but sometimes the church is a place where Christians meet. It means the actual place. So when people say, well, you shouldn't call it the church. Well, that's sort of ridiculous because the scripture does. So you're wrong. Scripture's right. You, you can do that. But more times than not, when the word is used as ecclesia, it's not a building or a place, it's us, the people. And so really, when you think about it, the church comes to meet in a church. The church comes to meet in a church so we can be the church when we're not here and be the church when we're here and be the church everywhere. And so why, Craig, why are you making such an emphasis on that? Because sometimes when I say something like, like the central task of the church you're thinking crosswinds, an organization, a, a tax-exempt company type of thing. And, and I'm here to say 99.9% .9 of the time, when I say the word church, I mean you and me. Because the scripture most of the time means that. 
So the central task of the church, you and me, the central task of the church, those who have received the blessing of salvation in Christ, is to share the good news with others in the hope that they too will receive the blessing of salvation. To be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You show me a church who's doing that, that's, they're, they're fulfilling their central task. You show me a people, a church that's not doing that, and they're not. It's that simple. And so here it is. We're grafted into this amazing statement, given this calling, this promise given to Abraham thousands of years ago. You'll be blessed to be a blessing. You'll bless the nations. Jesus comes. He says to the disciples, you've been blessed with salvation to be a blessing. Bless the nations. And guess what he's saying to us this morning? You're blessed to be a blessing. Bless the nations. And by the way, that starts with your coworker your spouse, your kids, your schoolmate, your neighbor. So the Lord's blessing of Abraham is just the first step in God's divine plan to extend blessing through Abraham and us to the people of the earth. The blessed through being generous by taking the blessings that God's poured into our life and, and blessing others. Be, be blessed to be a blessing. But I know even in saying that, but there are some who may be sitting here and saying, but Craig, you don't know how little I have. And, and, and I just want to share, I was praying about that because I know that's something I've struggled with from time to time in my faith journey. I don't feel I have much to offer. I wish I had more, right? And I came across this parable. It's just like years ago, but it came to my mind as I was praying about this message in our time together this morning. It's a parable of the elephant and the mouse. Elephant and a mouse, they come to his, this rope bridge. They got to cross it to get to where they're heading. And they decide to walk across it together. And as they're walking across this rope bridge, this huge elephant, tiny mouse, the bridge starts to swing violently. Can you picture it? I mean, it, it sounds like the thing's ready to snap, but it's swaying, it's swaying, it's swaying, it's swaying. And they get to the other side and the mouse looks up at the elephant and says, man, we sure moved that bridge, didn't we? Think about it for a minute. Think about it. I mean, I think we would all understand the elephant moved the bridge. But the mouse did decide to walk with him. There was a joint effort there. So what's that have to do with anything? Stay with me. The little bit you put on the table may look like a little bit. Matter of fact, in all honesty, it may be a little bit. But when God adds what he brings to that table, it's a whole lot. In fact, God's math is so much different than our math. It's not new math because he came up with it. So it's the original math. Which is God plus you is always a majority. Another way of saying that, God plus you is always more than enough. You're not limited by what you have. You only limit yourself when you don't see the big God who's there to use it through you. You plus God is more than enough. I, I wanted to share too as I sort of wrap up here. We talk about all these blessings. There are strange blessings in our life too. You know, what in the world is a strange blessing? Well, I'm going to tell you, but, but you may call it something better. And if you have a better definition, just tell me later because it's the only one I came up with and it's like I used it for two services. So don't tell me right afterwards because I would blow my mind. But, but later you can. But I call it strange blessings. A strange blessing is something that you would not consider a blessing at all. And perhaps the world wouldn't either. But as believers, we know that God can take all things and turn it to good for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Like God's the original recycler. 
He can even take our garbage and make it something useful. And I was praying about what story to share, and I had, a, I had several in my life that I wanted to share, and God kept bringing me back to this one. I said, Lord, I don't want to bring, I don't want to share that one. And not because I don't want to be transparent, it's just sort of nasty a little bit. And I, I, I was like, they're going to get ready to go to lunch, and, and the guy kept bringing it back, and I went, okay, so if you're upset with it, it's God. Go to him. Don't, don't talk to me. But uh, <laughs> several years ago, Several years ago, you guys may remember, I, I was in a cast. I preached from a chair for almost a year. I was in a cast and a brace, and, and then I got out of it. I had this great freedom. I mean, if you've ever been, like, in something for that long, months, right? All of a sudden, you're like, man, I feel free, you know? And, and, and I headed down to Florida to visit my parents. I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to walk around. I don't have a cast. don't have any of that stuff. The problem was, when I showed up at mom and dad's house, I, I looked at my little toe, and it looked nasty, now, something you need to understand about me, I knew I would never be a foot model. Like, my feet are nasty anyway. Hammer toed, I mean, they're disgusting. Podiatrists out there, I know you're saying, no, I want to work on those things. But the reality is, no one else liked them. No one else liked them. Like, Kristen never wanted me. I got to marry him because he's got feet. No. And I had braces on my legs when I was in kindergarten. I mean, I'm talking, I've always had bad legs. So I looked at this thing, and that little toe would give me a problem for, for years anyway. I mean, ever since I can remember, I hated that little toe. And I looked at it, I said, I think you're giving me problems again. My mom happened to, a coincidence, happened to work for a doctor who knew exactly where I should go, which hospital. So I went to a hospital in the emergency room, and, you know, it's just this nasty-looking little toe. I said, man, that toe just doesn't look good. In fact, when my wife came in, she goes, man, that doesn't look good. And then we brought my mom in, and she said, it, it doesn't look good. <laughs> so there I am in the emergency room, and they have some people come and look at it, and they came in, and they said, your little toe doesn't look good. And I went, no, I know, that's why I'm here. I mean, right? I mean, duh. And, uh, and, and so they, they, they admitted me. They said, we don't think you should go home. We'll get a doctor. My mom happened to work for the doctor who had a really good friend who was one of the best in the area working with feet. And so he came in the next day and examined everything. And he said, you know, I just, your toe doesn't look good. That's what he said. Seriously, that's what everyone said. Your toe doesn't look good. I said, yeah, I get it. He goes, um, it looks like it's always giving you a problem. I said, it has. He goes, well, we can do two things. It's infected. That's why I don't want to share it. It's sort of nasty, isn't it? Like when you're at lunch, think about the story. Um, <laughs> he said, it's infected. We can fight the infection. We can just take the toe. You know, he said, which, which, which do you want? You know, he said, I said, what about, what, what's it look like? We fight the infection. It might be here for a really long time. If we take the toe, you'll be here another few days. I said, well, take the toe. I've never liked it anyway. <laughs> so, so the truth of the matter is I can only count to 19. I'm very jealous of those of you who can count to 20, but I only got to, to 10 and, and the 9. And so he took it. He took it. And there I was. I was, in, I, was in this, I was in this hospital room, and I had my own room. I guess that was cool. That was a positive thing. And, and, uh, and I said to my wife, jokingly, it was a palm tree outside. So I brought you down to Florida so we could have this private room uh, with a palm tree. But, of course, I'm in a hospital. It's really weird. And, uh, and now I'm laying there. I have, I have one toe gone, and I'm thinking, okay, and this is going to be good. Because that toe was always painful. Who, need, who needs that thing anyway? Until they put the cast on it, so we're going to be a cast again. I said, I've been in cast for months. How much longer do I have to be in this thing? About six weeks. I went, I can live with that. So I got discharged on the Friday. I'm heading, I'm heading uh, to my parents' house. The only thing I wanted to do was see the sunset. I don't know if you've seen the sunset on the west coast of Florida, but there's some of the most beautiful in the world. People come all over the world to see a sunset on the west coast of Florida. So I said, oh, I want to go out. I want to see, see the sunset. And so I hobbled out to the van, literally hobbled out to the van, got, got into the van, went to the, went to the beach. Family was with me. And I said, you guys go down to the beach. I'm not going to go because all I could think of was getting sand. And I, no, that ain't going to happen. So I'm just going to sit in the van. So, I mean, how pitiful. I'm sitting in the passenger seat going to look at the sunset as they're down there playing, right? So they're going down there and having fun. So I'm sitting there in the van. There's a purpose of the story. So I'm sitting down there in the van. And all of a sudden, there's this guy standing on the edge of the van. And I feel the Lord nudge me and say, talk to him. 
I went, no. That's weird. Like, I'm going to be the creep, right? Like, you know, in a van, hey, guy, how are you? You know, I'm like, this is really strange. And, and yet I knew it was God. I mean, I just felt a nudge. It wasn't like his voice, but it, went, you know, it was like, talk to him. I'm like, all right, you know, you're right all the time. I'll do it. And so I did. I said, I said hey, how you doing? That was, my, that was my, my, my brilliant way to enter the conversation. I know how else to do it. Hey, how you doing? He went, all right, how are you? I said, yeah, I'm just looking at the sunset. Yeah, I am too. I mean, what do you talk about? Well, we start talking. Found out that he had moved down there just a few days earlier. He started a new job, that he had had a situation up north. I don't know what it was, but he needed to start new, he said. And so he had come down. He started this new job. And so we're talking. I, I tell him about my toe because, to be honest with you, I like telling things like that. Why not? So I was telling him about why I was in the van and why the family was down there because I thought, I don't want him to think I'm like this creepy guy who sits in the van talking to people. And <laughs> I'm creepy, but not that way. And, and uh and so we started talking. I really sensed the nudge on me. He said, give, give them what's in your wallet. Now understand, I had brought money down for vacation. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't know what's in my wallet. But I know it's more than I normally carry in my wallet because I've been in a hospital all week and didn't spend any of it on things that I was going to blow it on. And I went, you know, and you're talking. I don't know if you have these conversations with God, but I do. And I sort of went, are you sure? You know, as he's talking, I'm talking. He's like, yeah, give him what you want. So I had 60 bucks. Doesn't sound like a lot of money to you. It was a lot of money for me. So I said, hey, I don't, I want to give you that 60 bucks. And he started tearing up over $60. He said, you don't understand. I won't get a paycheck to the end of the week. And I didn't know how I was going to make it. He said, I don't have any money for food. This will, this will carry me over. You know, just sharing all that type of stuff. Well, I, I'm becoming a wimp dealer, I guess. So I started tearing up. So I started talking to him, found out that he at one time really, really attended a, a church for a number of years and walked away from God and everything. And he knew he needed to get back with the Lord. And uh, I said, um, I said, wow, you know, I'm from here. I know a few good churches. Where, where are you at? And he told me, so I told him about a few good churches. And then he asked the, the key question that I always want at the end of the conversation, which was good because this was toward the end of the conversation. Said, what do you do for a living? <laughs> so well, I just happened to be a pastor. And he lit up. He said, I, I just, I can't believe this. can't believe this. I, I needed this. To which I'm going, God, thank you for me not being so stubborn and not doing these things. Because you ever been there? You know, come on, this doesn't seem like something a normal person does. And, uh, and I said, do you mind if I pray with you? Now, I've said this before, and I hate saying it publicly, because one day it's not going to be true. But I've never had anyone turn down prayer. Even people who don't believe in God will let me pray for them. And he said, well, absolutely. And so I got to pray with him and I don't know the rest of his story. I don't. He, he went off. My, my family came back, not knowing that I was the creeper in the van talking to this guy. And, and, and we went back to the house. And on the way back, I was sharing the story with him. But I want to tell you, what a strange blessing. I, God did not make my toe infected so I could talk to this guy. But as I was sitting there in the hospital going, this is a bummer. This wasn't why I came to Florida. God, I really believe, sort of smiled and went, but wait to see what I do with this. Like, this is going to happen anyway, but just wait, just wait. A nasty toe in the hands of God can do something pretty powerful. And if I had gotten out earlier, you know, a day earlier, a day later, I, I never would have been at the beach that particular time if I wasn't discharged at the time I was. If, if Krista, when she drove out there, didn't pick that particular spot. I mean, it, it, think about all the coincidences. And again, I don't believe in coincidences. All these coincidences that had to happen in order for me to be sitting in a van to be the creepy guy who goes, hey, how you doing? 
to enter into this conversation with a guy who wasn't going to be able to eat if he didn't have some money and be able to give him some money and to be able to pray with him and hopefully, I don't know what the whole story ended up being in his life, but hopefully getting tied in with Christ again in the church. I don't know. I don't know the rest of it. All I know is obedient and I feel, I, feel, uh, I feel blessed to be a part of it. And I got rid of a nasty toe, which was not a bad thing. It's like blessing, blessing, blessing. But maybe you're going through something. You're like, I can't use this. God can use all things for those who are in Christ Jesus. God can use all things. We only are limited by how small we perceive our God. But when we understand how big he is, and the blessing of being a part of this this journey of being blessed to be a blessing. The the ability to to be a fulfillment of a promise made thousands of years ago to Abraham that we're grafted into and through Christ able to make a difference in the world around us. There's nothing like it. I want to live until I can live. I want to use the blessings God gives me to bless others. That's why I thank God every week when we gather. God, thank you for our gathering, but would you bless us to be a blessing as we scatter? throughout our region, taking the hope and message of Christ to the people around us. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you've yet to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the ultimate blessing. It's what unleashes us to be blessed to be a blessing. If you've yet to receive Christ, I encourage you to take that step this morning. For those of us who already have, maybe it's just a reminder to not be so focused on the top line, being blessed, we forget about this bottom line so we can be a blessing to others. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the privilege, the privilege of of coming across this this life-changing principle that started with Abraham and we see throughout scripture that God, you are a God who blesses. But you don't just bless us to be consumers of those blessings. You bless us to be a blessing, to share the, the good news, to share the comfort, to share the love and resources with those around us. Even the strange blessings, things that we would never write down as a a normal blessing, these strange things that happen to our life, these difficult situations, when they're placed in your hands are are more than enough to be used to possibly impact those around us. So God, I pray, if there's anyone here this morning, anyone watching online who's yet to receive you as Lord and Savior, but even now in the quietness of their heart, they would thank you for dying for their sins, being resurrected for their salvation, and they would enter into that new life that new life offered through you. And Lord, for each of us that are, that are your children that have made that decision, maybe maybe hours, minutes, hours, months, years, it doesn't matter, we go. Would you help us focus, not just on the top line, because you certainly do want to bless us, but also focus on that bottom line. You bless us to be a blessing. Help us pass it on to a world who just so desperately needs to know you and your love and your power salvation. God, thank you for gathering us here in the way you're meeting with us. And I pray in just a moment as we scatter throughout this region, Lord, that you would help us be a blessing to those in our workplaces, our neighborhoods, the places where we live, the places where we work, the places where we play. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Thank you for being so good to us. Amen.